And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baghurst, and today's guest is Shamari Brown, senior. Uh, before I forget, thanks, Shamari. Uh, he's the director of student athlete Com programs and compliance at the Atlantic uh, Coast Conference, which most of you will be familiar with as the ACC. Shamari, thanks so much for joining me. If you wouldn't mind, just it's a it's a unique job that you have. Not many people have it. So, how did you get into this? Where did you start? Sure, sure. Thanks for having me, Tim. So, yeah, so I've actually been here at the ACC for 11 years. Um, prior to coming here to the ACC, I was at the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference at the MEAC, um, working in a compliance and, and championships role. And part of my responsibilities at the MEAC was also doing some student-athlete development work um, for our student-athletes within the MEAC. And um, I began my career at the University of New Haven. That's that's where I got my start from a, as a full-time um, staff member and the title, the job that I had was uh, assistant athletic director for student athlete development and compliance. And, and so I was pretty much fresh out of college. I'd just done uh, an internship, but first job. Um, so really had no understanding of compliance and had no understanding of student athlete development. And uh, as I learned, what was thankful uh, that the athletic director at the time, Debbie Chen, took a chance on me and really helped coach me and, and understand um, the business. But, you know, compliance was a heavy lift and I had to do a lot of reading and research and the student athlete development piece of it pretty much came natural. Um, you know, interacting with student athletes, helping coach them through different issues and troubles and, and questions that they had, providing some, you know, personal development for them, really fell in love with that space. And, and so, you know, as you fast forward five or six years later and, and having the opportunity to come here to the ACC, in a role when I originally started was 50% compliance and 50% student athlete development to now where my job is probably uh, 85, 90% student athlete development, student athlete welfare, and then a small compliance role that I, I continue. Um, but I think honestly, uh, Tim, you know, it was really destined. God just kind of aligned my career to work in a space that, that really fits my passions, fits my life's purpose. And that's helping our young people, right? And, and in Israel, helping our institutions and supporting their, their student athletes. Um, so a really, really quick uh, Cliff Notes version of, of my background. But yeah, I went to, went to college at Winston-Salem State, played football there, uh, majored in sports management while I was in school. So I so had an idea that I wanted to work in sport, um, but it was through getting injured that I discovered collegiate athletics, right? So my senior year, I was recovering from an injury and began to just volunteer around the athletics department and, and started to learn everything around athletics uh, administration, um, everything from, from media relations and sports information to marketing and game management. Uh, and just kind of love all the diversity of experiences that one could get on a college campus. And, and so um, with the help of my advisor, began my career first as an intern at the Mid-East Athletic Conference after I graduated. Then that job at the University of New Haven, like I said before, then going back to the MEAC in a full-time role, and then here, uh, 11 years later, here in the role as a director of student athlete programs and compliance. You you pointed out something or, or mentioned something that I think is relevant, and it's the volunteering aspect of you being willing to do something for for the experience and the knowledge that comes from it. And a lot of people in today's society have that mentality of, well, what do I get for it? What's in it for me? If you hadn't volunteered, I think your storyline would be very different. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And 
there's always something in it for you when you volunteer, right? You, you have to find it. The number one thing for me was, you know, providing or, or at least going after as many different experiences as I could to try to understand what it is that I wanted to do, what it was that I didn't want to do, right? So, I mean, I was I was doing everything from a volunteer standpoint to, you know, coaching at the YMCA, to working sporting events at the Coliseum, to doing youth youth sports and officiating, um, like everything around around sport to figure out what I really wanted to do. Volunteering, I, I thought I wanted to be a sports agent. Um, and so one was getting all the, the, the vast differences in, as, as far as experiences, but more than anything, it was meeting people, right? Mm-hmm. It was developing these relationships. And, you know, one of the common threads for me in my career is the relationships that I've been able to build, right? That that network that we like to talk about all the time um, is really what's propelled me into my career and being able to pick up the phone anytime I have an issue, have a question with anyone, you know, across the nation for the, for the most part, or, you know, whether there are career opportunities and, and not for just me, but for also, you know, student athletes and, and colleagues, um, you know, the one thing that the volunteering and um, the, the just kind of spreading yourself does is it provides an exposure, right? Exposure about the job and exposure to other people uh, about you. So, yeah, I, I can't speak up, speak to it enough about the need for everyone, our young people, especially that's coming up in the business to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there is, you know, sometimes an issue as far as being able to, to work for, for free and not getting paid and the time commitment to that. You know, that's that's a real issue. Yeah. Um, but that's a sacrifice that many people that we all have to make at some point in our career as we're getting started. I agree. I agree. And throughout our careers sometimes as well. Exactly. To keep moving up. Exactly. Now, the the title that you have, you're director of student athlete programs and compliance. You you alluded a little bit about compliance, and I think of all those memes about the NCAA compliance yeah. book and how big it is. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what that actually means? What do you do every day? Right. So so what I do related to compliance right now is, is still around the student athlete welfare areas. Um, so when we look at different waivers, uh, student athletes getting waivers for injuries and medical absences when when they are unable to complete um, their academic uh, semester, uh, looking at the student athlete student assistance funds and ways that we're able to provide some financial assistance to students as it relates to their uh, participation in athletics, um, and, and then providing some interpretive assistance to our institutions, right? Uh, do that very infrequently now, um, but there's still quite a bit, you know, within our legislation from an NCAA standpoint that that needs uh, interpretation and, you know, understanding across the league. Um, but the fun part of my job is really related to the student athlete welfare uh, side of the house. Um, working Day to day, I tell people our number one job is for us to support our institutions and the work that they do on a day to day with their student athletes. Uh, So for me, because I'm not boots on the ground in it on a day to day basis, it provides space for me to look around the corner, right, to see what's trending or what trends are going to come next. What are some of the areas that we see young people, um, not just student athletes, but young people globally may be dealing with that we need to address from an educational standpoint? Um, and then finding resources, right? For the, one of the other number one things that the, that the conference office does is provide the resources back to their institutions. And as it relates to student athlete development, student athlete welfare, those resources may look like uh, educational partners. It may look like online programs. It may be a speaker um, or it may just be a curriculum that we that we would like to adopt 
um, as well as best practices that may be coming from other schools, other entities, organizations. Uh, so a, lo a lot of research, um, a lot of meetings and, and discussing different, different programs, different issues uh, with colleagues. Um, but it's really everything boils down to how can we get the most and the best resources back to campus. Yeah, we, when we think about the ACC, we, we make the assumption maybe, and I would say incorrectly, that well, all, all schools are equal. It's the ACC. All the schools have money. All of the athletic programs have a budget for this. Yet in reality, I suspect you're going to tell me that's not the case. And because of that, you can provide a resource to schools that may just not be able to do what they want to do. Exactly. Very much not the case. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some commonality to it, right? Or we wouldn't be in the same conference with each other. Um, but there are variances as it relates to budget and and where the budget is is um, allocated within the athletics department. The other thing uh, from a conference standpoint is there are different cultures, right? So we're 15 member institutions, 15 different cultures. It could be a challenge at time um, and, and working with our 15 different member institutions, but that sets them apart, right? So within one realm of the house or focus, right? It might be on, let's say, mental health, where a school has invested a ton of resources versus, you know, a, another school that hasn't invested as much or they have a different delivery. So depending on the topic, you may see very big differences as far as how they address an issue or, or a topic, um, as well as, like, like we said before, how to allocate their, their, their budget. Um, and so that's kind of what a conference comes in and and try to provide somewhat of an evening of, of the playing field for our student athletes and student athlete development and some shared resources um as well as providing some cost savings to our schools and, and and those type of resources speaking of the the student athlete and the resources available the the landscape of athletics in college is continually changing and we've seen in 2020 and 2021 just massive shifts in what's allowed what is not allowed what is needed what where do you see the from a coach's perspective from an, an athletic director's perspective where do you see the needs moving forward where student athletes uh, really would value these things yeah well, I think we've definitely seen a shift to much more of a student athlete empowerment um, standpoint for our, for our athletes and, and college athletics. Their voice is probably stronger. It hasn't been stronger than it has that it is now, right? And, and so one of the things that our student athletes need is that guidance. They don't necessarily need us to say, to tell them, hey, you have to do this or you have to do that but they need for us to provide clarification, interpretation to what they're experiencing, um, right? And, and, and they need for us to honestly just be authentic leaders, right? Be vulnerable leaders to, to them in their space. Um, from, from a coaching standpoint, I think we've seen the days of those hard nose, do as I say, uh, or you're out of here coaches. I don't think they will exist much longer if they exist at all right now as, as we speak. Um, and there's going to be much more of a, uh, a, a collaboration, right? A partnership between coaches, administration, and student athletes. And mm -hmm. we've seen that trend over the last few years uh, from a national level of in, incorporating student athletes in the decision-making body um, in a, from the conference level, us incorporating our student athletes within our governance structure. 
And then at the local level, right? I mean, student athletes really having a say so as to um, the experiences that they're having, the resources, the, the the support systems that schools are providing to them as, as student athletes. Um, so that's going to continue. That's that's really going to continue. Um, but it's going to be up to us as administrators and coaches um, to educate the, the student athletes so that they understand what they're asking for and understand what the issues are, and then equipping them to to be leaders amongst themselves. Um, as, as young people. Name, image, and likeness is a term, NIL, that has been resounding through universities over the last six months or so. And we've seen all kinds of things happening because of this. From your perspective, from that 30,000 foot perspective, looking at all of the different colleges that, that are within the ACC, the 15 that you alluded to, are we seeing some colleges or, or universities figuring it out where it's really benefiting all of their athletes? Or is this a case of NIL is really, really working to support the, the more visible athletes, the ones that seem to have center, center stage on campus? And my concern or, or question really is looking at some of these Olympic sports some of the, the lesser known sports on campus where, hey, you know what? NIL exists, you can profit from this, you can benefit from this, but we don't know how. Right. What are you seeing across the colleges and universities in the ACC? Yeah, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is we are, what, three, maybe a little over three months into name image likeness. So it's still very early. Um, in the market and it being open to our student athletes. And, and so up to this point, yes, we're, we're seeing our football student athletes take advantage of it. Um, some, some volleyball from a women's standpoint. Um, and then you're starting to see the basketball players um, starting to, to get some name image likeness deals. Right. So I, I would say to be fair and honest and, and answering that question, I would love for us to see a full year to see how, how it uh, interacts, how all student athletes interact with, the ability to, to earn um, money from their name, image, likeness. But, you know, one of the things that's been frustrating to see and, and read is just the, the portrayal of name, image, likeness, right? So from our early days of getting into the business, the name, image, likeness side of the house was one of the biggest frustrations because we had athletes um, that had legitimate businesses or, you know, le legitimate nonprofit uh, community driven initiatives that they wanted to do but we're not unable to do it without getting a waiver from the NCAA. Mm -hmm. And so as we've gotten to the point that we are now, the focus hasn't been on that student athlete that has a business or has a nonprofit or has whatever other, you know, legit ent entity. The, the focus has been on student athletes being endorsers, right? Being influencers. And, and anytime you look at, look at it from that standpoint, it's going to always only impact a, a few student athletes. It's only going, going to always only impact those student athletes that are most marketable, the starters, the, you know, the big, the big names. Um, and so as we move forward, I think we have to really begin to shift focus and provide the, the opportunity and exposure and education to our student athletes to understand how they can, you know, be entrepreneurs and start true businesses. Um, because, this is a, a time within their their life where they probably are very marketable, very you know profitable based on the interaction that they have with other students on their college campuses. And um, you know, I, I would love for us to start venturing away from focusing so much on 
the endorsement deal that said student athlete got with the local car company versus the apparel company that the student athlete has started. And now they can use their name to promote and shoot commercials and advertising for. I, I can foresee that this is going to be a, a significant component of your role and responsibility and what you do moving forward, because most of us, when we were 18, 19, 20 years old, were very clueless on running a business, managing our ourselves, let alone trying to handle what could be large sums of money in an in intricate language, I guess, right. you know, lawyers, universities, um, conferences, all being involved in this. And you're an 18, 19, 20 year old going, I don't know how this all works. I just want to make sure I get my piece. Absolutely. When when I, you and I have talked a little bit before, when we, we talk about student athlete uh, programs and compliance, there's obviously some core resources and training that you do to support student athletes. Do you or the ACC uh, support the coaches and those who are responsible for these athletes? And the reason I ask this is that while while the ACC or, or any conference or any organization can support the athletes in X, Y, and Z programs, ultimately, if the coach doesn't have those resources and knowledge, that means every year you're having to retrain people or, or student athletes in the same things that you just covered last year. Right. Right. And, and our coaches group were a group that we identified uh, last year. So during the pandemic, that that was a group that we had done not enough as far as education and, and engagement with, right? We have a ton of programs for our student athletes directly and, and programs for administrators and student athlete development professionals and academic support directors and athletic directors and you know senior level administrators all get some type of programming. And our coaches group from the conference office standpoint was one group that we had identified that we haven't done any intentional education and programming for. Right. And, and so actually just this year, we launched what we're calling the coaching, the whole athlete program and partnering with the former ACC uh, athlete, Brianna Welch, who's a, a, a track and field student athlete at Duke. Right. But providing a framework as it relates to how do you address and, and, and engage with your student athlete, with your with your players, both in their sport, but also outside of sport. Right. Building a developing a holistic um, person. And, and being able to have conversations outside of just the game, outside of just the competition and developing them as an athlete. And it was something that was forced out of out of uh, the pandemic, right? When, when all of our players and teams had to go home and there were no athletics going on, there's no competition going on. And coaches had to pick up the phone or go on Zoom and, Zoom and ask, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? How are, how are you feeling? What's your health, right? And, and so now as you fast forward a year later, Continuing that same type of conversation, but it's, hey, what are your goals? How can we help you achieve those goals outside of your sport, right? Still pushing on them, still, you know, trying to get your best that you can get from them from, a, from an athletic standpoint, but transitioning that same type of uh, commitment and, and, and engagement from athletics into their, their personal life, right? Giving the student athletes some autonomy and, and some input as to how the team is directed. Um, especially for our seniors and and, and upper class and and, and um, captains of, of the teams, 
Um, and so it's much more about just equipping our coaches with a few additional uh, tools that they can add to their toolbox for engaging with their student athletes in a holistic manner. You know, as I said before, the days of the, the old school, gruff, you know, do as I say, or you're off this team, those days are over from, from a coaching standpoint. And so we wanted to be able to equip our coaches with, with ways and mechanisms that they can, can use to, to educate and to engage with, with their student athletes. And then the other piece of it is, you know, we focus so much on mental health uh, for our student athletes and, and rightfully so, right? As a young person, they have so many pressures and, uh, you know, and things, especially with social media that can impact their, their, their mental health negatively. But our coaches and us as administrators and coaches have to focus in on mental health as well. Um, because if we're not mentally well, there's no way that we can go and interact with a young person and ask for them to be mentally well and to lead them effectively. Uh, so that's the second piece of it is ensuring that we're providing the space, the, the resources for our coaches and administrators uh, to engage into some mental wellness um, programming, uh, just like we're asking for our student athletes. Yeah, and I, I think the logic behind this too, not only are we trying to, to care for the well-being of our student athletes, but but recognize that that having that personal interest in the athlete outside of the sport is also going to make that athlete more successful in the sport. Right. They know that the coach cares about them, and so they're therefore going to be more invested themselves. The challenge, as you alluded to, is when we had that COVID downtime, we're learning how to ask those questions that maybe we hadn't asked before, yeah. yet we find ourselves in the fall, full season ahead, let's go everybody. Oh, by the way, we've also got this COVID stuff that's still ongoing that we're going to be dealing with. Hopefully I have enough time to remember to ask you how you're doing. Exactly. And the challenge is, I think, how do those coaches remember the time during COVID and the skills they learned and transition them into this this 2021 season, which is even more hectic and more stressful than, than maybe ever before. Right, a, a tremendous challenge because coaches aren't the best at multitasking, especially in season, right? Like coaches are, they're here, right? We got a season ahead of us. And so that's what, that's what you know, this coaching the whole athlete is about is how can we add, you know, five minutes here um, kind of tip and tool that you can use to engage in the midst of everything that they already are doing on a regular basis. But no, for sure, we're asking coaches to engage in their athletes and tell them, you know, ask, ask them to be, you know, more holistic and multifaceted. But we all know coaches during season and they are right here. Anything out of here that's outside of their, their sport, they're not dealing with during season. Yeah, I hear you. Um, well, just, just in closing, thinking about athletics and, you know, co collegiate athletics and, and what you're seeing in student athletes, from the perspective of maybe a, a coach coming up or, or maybe going into to collegiate coaching or, or working with um, high school athletes or, or young professional athletes, what do coaches need to know to do in order to be successful? Where, where are the, the pieces missing in what coaches are coming in with now and what they need in order to really be successful with this generation of student athletes? Yeah, I think we're starting to see it in our, in our young coaches, right? Like the, the X's and O's, the the, de the details and understanding of the sport is a given. Um, but it's once again, the holistic development and engagement of our young people that's taking up way much more uh, time and space than ever before. 
right? So providing that space for for a mental mental check in, uh, providing that space for a family check in, uh, providing that space to engage the athletes into life conversations. Um, you know, we we put a lot of responsibility on student athlete development professionals and academic support professionals, when in reality the coach has the most access and uh, is the most influential with young people and in, in, in their lives for the, for the most part. And there's a responsibility that our coaches have in exposing our student athletes and young people into life outside of sport, right, and, and to professions outside of just coaching. Um, so it's really important for our coaches to just engage their young people in different avenues of life that could potentially uh, provide that, that stepping stone into them being productive adults, productive citizens once they finish playing their sports. Great answer. I know a lot of people watch this after after the fact on YouTube. If they have a question for you, maybe you want to learn a little bit more about what you do, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to engage anyone uh, on social media. I think Twitter for me is the best place to, to reach me. Uh, my handle is Shamari underscore senior. Uh, so first name S H A M A R E E underscore S R, um, and would we'll, would we'll love to engage uh, anyone listening on any follow up. Well, Shamari, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your wisdom, and uh, and of course, just a reminder to everybody watching: we try to put these out each and every week. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't yet. And uh, thanks so much for watching.